Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series in the book of James with this message entitled, Blessed Are the Merciful, preached September the 1st, 2013. James 2, 8 through 13. And ask the Lord to help you to understand what God is saying, that we may believe and be blessed. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful because we all are saved by God's mercy. And we are to show mercy as we live our life to our neighbor, to our brothers and sisters. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy when Jesus Christ comes. James has been speaking against the sin of favoritism. And don't say that you don't have that. There is the sin of favoritism in the church. So keep that in mind. Some people feel they are superior to some other people. It's not true. We are all saved by mercy. There's nothing to do with our righteousness. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. So James has been speaking against the sin of favoritism and discrimination in the church. He's not speaking about the problem in the world. In the church. The wages of sin is eternal death on the basis of God's great love and rich mercy. The believing sinners are shown mercy in Jesus Christ. Those who received mercy are to show mercy. Jesus said, I, as I already said, blessed are the merciful for they shall be shown mercy when he comes again. So I want to speak to you about three things. Living by God's royal law. Number two, transgressing this God's royal law. And number three, to be judged by this God's royal law. First, living. We are to live by God's royal law. Believers in Jesus Christ are to live daily in obedience to God's royal law. The word law appears ten times in James. Five times in our text. The law of God is called the perfect law of liberty. Chapter 1 verse 25. The royal law, chapter 2, verse 8. 
as well as the law of liberty, chapter 2, verse 12. The law is called royal law because it is the supreme law decreed by the king of kings. It is the law belonging to the king. Therefore, it is full of authority. And it must be obeyed. Jesus said in Luke 6 verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord and don't obey me? Royal law, sir. Royal law. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. We love King Jesus by obeying his laws. Of course, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are born of God and the laws of God are written in our hearts. Therefore, it is our nature to delight in God's law and to do them. The royal law expresses God's will and his holy character. The essence of God's law, we will find out, is love. Jesus reduces the Ten Commandments into two. And he puts the law in the positive terms. As we read in Matthew 22, 37 through 39, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor. If you are married, your neighbor is your spouse. The one who is nearest to you (laughs) as yourself. Jesus further reduced the two commandments into one new commandment. John 13, 34, 35. A new commandment I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. John 15, 12 and 13. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. As I have loved you. By his death on the cross. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. That he laid down his life for his friends. James does the same in chapter 2 verse 8. If you really keep the royal law found in scripture. Love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing right. So also Paul in Galatians chapter 5, 13 and 14. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the 
sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Then he says the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. St. John the Apostle also said the same thing. 1 John chapter 4, 11 and 12. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought, must, to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. In 1 John 4, 20 and 21, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. No one can love one's brother unless he loves God. The proof that we love God is that we love our brothers. This commandment that we should love our neighbor as ourselves is quoted in the New Testament nine times from Leviticus 19 verse 8 which reads, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself, for I am the Lord. John condemns anyone who hates his brother. First John 3.15, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. See the language. Murderer, sir. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. Then again, all commands of the King Jesus can be reduced and summed up in one word, love. So we read in Romans 13, 9 through 10, the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be, are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Now he says, therefore love is what? The fulfillment of the law. And so Paul says in Galatians 5, 6, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. It is a love that sacrifices oneself for the neighbor's benefit. You ask the question, who is my neighbor? Our neighbor is anyone who truly needs my care and attention, especially those in the household of faith. 
friends, the law was not given to the unbeliever. It was given to the redeemed to live by in the dynamic of love. This law of love gives freedom to all who live within its bounds. A Christianity that does not require obedience to King Jesus is a lie. Jesus is Lord and he demands our submission to him. So we read in Acts chapter 5. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. And Hebrews 5, 8 and 9, although he was a son, he learned obedience. Jesus Christ learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And John says in John's gospel, chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And this is what Jesus himself said. Then Jesus came to them and said, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, all authority, all authority, sir. He is the boss, king of kings, lord of lords. And everything he created, he owns. He knows every star. He knows every bird. He knows us. He knows our thoughts. Our crookedness. Our perversions. He knows. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey Everything you cannot pick and choose. You cannot cherry pick it. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. It is the law of freedom. Christ is the end of the law. So that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. The law of freedom. The law of God is not antithetical to freedom. It surely restrains us and constrains us. And brings us to enjoy freedom, sir. Freedom. Sin is slavery. Friends, listen. Jesus commands his disciples to take up his yoke upon them. He who obeys Jesus Christ is truly free. So Paul says in Romans 6 verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin. And have become slaves to God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. Sir, that's freedom. 
We live by grace to do good works to benefit our neighbors and for our everlasting joy. Royal law loves neighbor and does not regard worldly distinctions. Christianity knocks out and destroys all human distinctions. Royal law does not show favoritism. It does not discriminate. It is the law of love that the cross of Calvary demonstrates. Point number two. Transgressing this God's law. Specifically the sin of partiality. We belong to the kingdom of God. We are all God's children. We delight fully in the royal law of love. If you don't obey God's law. By divine power. You are not saved. You are a rebel. Those born of God. Live by penitent persevering and obedient faith said Professor Norman Shepherd as believers in Jesus Christ saved by God's rich mercy alone we are not to discriminate so we read this in Leviticus 19 verse 15 do not pervert justice do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great but judge your neighbor fairly and Job said chapter 34 verse 19 God who shows no partiality to princes And does not favor the rich over the poor. For they are all the work of his hands. And the text. James 2, 8 through 13 tells us. Those who show partiality are transgressors of God's royal law. Chapter 2 verse 9. And verse 11. And another thing, you cannot pick and choose God's law to obey. I like this one, but I don't like that one. Friends, God authored them all. They express his will and character. The law is an interdependent whole. An indivisible whole. Many faceted yet single. Laws authored by one God for his glory and for our eternal happiness. So by the dynamic of divine love we joyfully obey all God's laws... Which Jesus came to fulfill. Matthew 5.17 Do not think that I have come to abolish the law. Or the prophets I have not come to abolish them. But to fulfill them. 
when we show favoritism when we discriminate we commit sin we are guilty so what shall we do we repent and forsake our sins and receive god's forgiveness and we stop discriminating we love our neighbor we show mercy because we are shown mercy every day it is the nature of the citizens of god's kingdom to love all the children of god rich or poor jew or gentile colossians 3 and verse 11 and number 3 we are going to be judged by the royal law when jesus christ comes again james tells us in chapter 2 verse 12 to live our life in obedience to god's law of love with an eye to the coming judgment at which time we'll be judged by this law of liberty verse 12 states speak and act telling to you and to me all of life summed up in this two words speak and act they are imperatives they are commands of the king god commands us to speak the word of god and do the word of god you said jesus is lord when you were baptized that's what you said that was a good confession Are you obeying him as Lord in your daily life? You agree to love your wife and support your family? You agree to raise up the children in the knowledge of God and so on? Are you doing it? Are you doing what you promised and promising? We as Christians speak and act speak biblically and act biblically Are you living daily such good life that you will not be ashamed in the day of judgment when God will judge on the basis of our good works And so we read in Ephesians 2 verse 10 for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has foreordained that we should walk in them. It's not an option. It is an eternal plan that he will have a people, God's people, covenant people who will abound in good works. First Corinthians ten thirty one. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. What is the chief end of man to glorify God and what else to enjoy Him forever? Obedience is the pathway to everlasting joy. 
Second Corinthians 5, 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. There's a future judgment by the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrew writer says in chapter 4, verse 13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Aiken thought that God cannot see through the tent. And beyond that, he dug a hole and put in it. Gold and silver and Babylonish garment and covered it up. We all do this business. <laughs> we think nobody sees it. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Second Timothy 4, 1 and 2, St. Paul says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Let us work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And we will have great confidence on the day of judgment. When we face King Jesus who gave us his law. The question is, did you live by showing mercy? Did you live by the law of love? And that's what is going to happen when Jesus Christ comes. And let me read to you from Matthew 25, beginning with verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. The righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry? And so on. Verse 40, the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Mercy, sir. Our good works evidence our salvation based on the righteousness of Christ alone. If you do not show mercy in your relationships, especially with God's people, you will not be shown mercy in the final judgment. Those who lack good works, that's works of mercy, are false confessors who will be told to go away from Christ's presence to eternal punishment. 
Matthew 25 verse 46. Then they will go away to eternal punishment. But the righteous to eternal life. Friends in verse 13 of James chapter 2. We are given a warning. All those who sin. All those who discriminate. All those who are merciless. Beware of the coming judgment. Judgment without mercy shall be meted out to you on the last day by the divine judge, even Jesus Christ. Friends, you received mercy. I received mercy. Therefore, show mercy uh, to your wife, to your husband, to your neighbors, to your brothers and sisters. Romans 9 verse 15 says for he says to Moses I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Thank God he showed compassion to us. He didn't have to. Romans 9 18 therefore God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy and he hardens. Whom he wants to harden. And listen to this. Mysterious. Verses. Profound. We don't understand it. It's the truth. Romans 9. 22 and 23. What if God choosing to show his wrath. And make his power known. Bore with great patience. The objects of his wrath. Prepared for destruction. And verse 23, what if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy whom he prepared in advance for glory? Speaking about us. Objects of what, sir? Mercy prepared in advance for glory. What a blessed destiny. We are predestinated to glory. So the publican, he prayed biblically, have mercy upon me, a sinner. He understood the sacrificial system. The blood was shed every year on the day of atonement upon the cover of the ark called mercy seat. In other words, he was saying, I believe that the Messiah died for my sin. Please forgive me. And he went home justified. What about St. Paul? First Timothy 1. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor, a violent man, I was shown what, sir? Mercy. That puts our pride down. Because I acted in ignorance and unbelief, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. 
But for that very reason I was shown mercy. So that in me the worst of sinners Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience. As an example for those who would believe on him and receive what? Eternal life. Friends, we are forgiven. We are shown mercy. Forgiven must forgive. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Colossians 3, 12 and 13. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive us. The Lord forgave you. Luke 17 verse 3 and 4. Watch yourself if your brother sins. Rebuke him and if he repents forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times comes back to say to you. I repent for giving unlimited forgiveness. And Micah chapter 6 verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Friends, merciful saints do not fear any future judgment. Their merciful deeds in life evidence their justification. But the merciless will be judged. And you go and read Matthew 18 about the unforgiving servant whose infinite sin was canceled, debt was canceled, but he refused to forgive. The one who owed him a few dollars. And what I'm going to say is in the New Testament. The law of retribution. Galatians 6, 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction the one who sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life God friends is not obligated to show mercy to any sinner he chooses to do so to those who merited his wrath On Calvary, God's mercy triumphed over God's justice, yet not at the expense of God's justice. God the Father poured out his wrath that was against us upon his beloved son. And he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And the answer is found in John 3.16. God the Father so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to the death of the Calvary's cross that whosoever Jew or Gentile whosoever believes on him should not perish but have what's everlasting life. 
on the cross God's justice and mercy kissed each other that God may be just and justifier of those who believe in Jesus so St. Paul puts it in theological precision that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting men's sins against them But he did count it against somebody. That was Jesus Christ, his son. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. That in him we might become the righteousness of God. So I say in conclusion, let mercy triumph over judgment as we live out our life which will soon come to an end. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Christ died for our sins and was raised for our justification. So friends, let us work out our salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. We read in Psalm 2 verse 11. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. For our Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. Heavenly Father, we heard your word. You have opened our ears and we heard your word. And we pray, O Holy Spirit, to apply your word, the word of life, to each heart. That we may surrender ourselves to the Lordship of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.